0: Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie. As always, I'm Nikki.
1: As always, I'm John. And differently this week, I am Aaron. What?
0: Oh my God. Well, it's really nice to meet you, Aaron. That's crazy. Uh, Why don't you tell me about your week?
1: Oh, well, my week has been the same as every other week. Um, Trying to take over the world? and failing yeah it's rough out here buddy you know the world keeps kicking me back in the balls saying no you can't take it over this week but one of these days one of these days no nah, this week's been really busy for me more house stuff you know how it is
2: i take it that's all that happened this week
1: literally cannot think of a single thing that i did other than look at the house stuff clean out the house have people come look at the house deal with the house you know man it's one of those weeks. So I I am really excited for this episode. I can use a break from that. I can talk about some Rocky. That's what I'm here for today. I love that for you. How are things going with you this week, man? Uh,
2: This week has been pretty chill. We're transitioning to like summer for like my work work. So there isn't really much going on, which is great news for me because my, my favorite time of doing what I do is summertime because there are no students, there's no events, it's just planning For the year, so we get like a lot of breaks, we get like every Friday off, it's fantastic. But I feel like, aside from that, the only thing of interest this week was uh, I feel like everyone has probably watched it at this point, but I am hyper fixated on Bo Burnham's Inside right now. And on Thursday, it released on Spotify, so I've been doing literally nothing but listening to it. Over and over and over again, because I, too, am a millennial who suffers from existential dread. So it has been so comforting and God damn, it's just so catchy. It's going to be the thing that I don't shut up about for the next month, and then I'll forget that it exists for eight months, and then I'll go back to it, you know?
1: Oh, man. I'm, I'm glad Meg and I accidentally watched it the other night then. We were wrapping up a night, and we were just flipping through, like, I oh, don't know, we got 20 minutes left for something. Oh, it's a comedy special. We'll put that on. We flipped on. We literally just sat there, just, like, transfixed for an hour and a half. <laughs> it's a
2: comedy special. Oh, no, what did we get ourselves into?
1: <laughs> it was, like, five minutes in, and we're, and we're sitting there going okay i mean they bought netflix bought this so it must it must get better or something right and then like 30 minutes later we're like oh this this hits pretty hard and then you hit that 45 minute mark and you're like what the fuck is happening <laughs> poor souls. i mean i went into it knowing that
2: it was going to be like super upsetting and existential because that's how like beau's stuff traditionally is i didn't think it was going to hit that hard and i kind of wish i watched it not knowing anything about him or the special because oh my gosh, that would have it would have hit so much harder. I, I,
1: I feel bad for the two of you, but at the same time, I'm uniquely jealous. It was really weird. We were getting to the end of it. Meg was sitting there going, "Has anybody checked to make sure he's okay?" Right? Like, right? It, it that shit gets dark. Nikki, man. have you seen it yet?
0: No, I haven't, and I I don't think I'm gonna watch it. No, you
1: shouldn't. <laughs> if
2: if you're not fully
0: yeah. there mentally,
2: you should you should not. It's. You you spend your whole night and the time after it contemplating your own mortality.
0: Yeah, I I've heard a lot of reviews about it and I was like, I think I'm gonna have to sit this one out.
2: Yeah, at least for a little bit, because it it is really it's really tough to watch. But aside from that, since you didn't watch Bo Burnham's Inside this week, what did you do this week?
0: Okay, I did a couple things this week. I'm pretty excited for myself. First of all, uh, all of my friends are now officially fully vaccinated, so we were able to get together. And for me personally, a party is four people and a bottle of rosé, but I had I had five people over <laughs> and a bottle of rosé. And we had like a little party at my house and it was nice. And I also at the party, you know, the drinks were, were shared and TikToks were made And I had a TikTok go like a little viral, unless you ask Jacob, apparently it didn't go viral, but I think it went a little viral and I actually hit 13K because of it, which I know isn't a big number, but I was really excited about it because I've been stuck at 12 for a while. Um, So it was like a very good week for me personally. I love that for you. you.
2: I don't know how you handle your, uh, the TikToks that get like intense views like that because I made one over the weekend that is at uh 21k views right now and i don't i don't know how you handle it
0: honestly like i i have a second tiktok where like i vent about having my first tiktok (laughs) because like i (laughs) was not put on this world to have a platform and i don't have a platform i have an account that just so happens to get a lot of traction sometimes yeah and i literally was not built for it like i got like like i got like a decent amount of hate comments on this most recent tiktok and i don't really know why because it was just me and andrea like joking around um but people are just mean like i i was literally just making a joke with my best friend and somebody like took it upon themselves to comment on my six most recent tiktoks about like me being ugly and about like things about my physical appearance and i had to i had to block like 15 fucking like souped up straight dudes
2: here's the thing you know the john mulaney sketch that's like children are mean but they're accurate about it that is exactly because that's the that's the the main group of people who are on tiktok they're children you know and if they aren't children they have the mindset of children so it's like children are mean but they're accurate about their meanness and when you combine that with an anonymous basically an anonymous app just the whole world just burns you know
0: yeah. Also, FNS is holding auditions tonight. We took out uh, six new applications on Friday, and there's a couple people from my high school that auditioned.
1: <laughs> Ooh, good luck
2: and there. I'm so
0: scared.
1: I don't blame you. Uh oh, Nikki is facing the existential dread of being not the youngest person. Oh no! That happened
0: <laughs> last oh, year. That happened last year. They they hired like a bunch of seventeen year olds, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm an old lady. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Okay, anyway. Um, well, anything else, boys? No. All right. Well, then let's get started with our first segment. Global news. <laughs> I wish you would stop doing that.
2: I don't, I'm not funny aside from that.
0: <laughs> first up in global news the skivvies have announced that they're going to be performing none other than their world famous rocky horror Skivies show for halloween in indianapolis indiana and new york city
1: i'm so sorry there there is a lot to unpack in that sentence skivvies like like underwear
0: of course like underwear what else would it be The Skivvies are a two-artist musical group, Nick Sierli and Lauren Molina, who perform stripped-down acoustic arrangements of electric music while also being stripped down themselves to their skivvies, like underwear.
2: Ooh, that's really clever. I fucks with it.
0: Lauren and Nick are both musical theater performers as well as musicians. Lauren has performed in Broadway's Rock of Ages and Sweeney Todd, and you might know Nick from the shows Pageant and All Shook Up. They even perform together as Brad and Janet in a New Hope, Pennsylvania production of the Rocky Horror Show. But right now, their main hustle is the Skivvies, where they perform at little indie venues like 54 Below, 42 West, and Joe's Pub, just to highlight a few.
1: One of their best-known performances, the Rocky Horror Skivvies Show, is a musical review of our fave. Nick and Lauren dress up in different themed underwear based on the characters they're portraying in each number, and sang, uh, let's say, uh, zhuzhed up versions of the songs. For example, in "Damn It, Janet, Lauren mixes Janet's lines with the song Oh Boy by Rose Royce. It's pretty adorable.
0: What a millennial reference.
1: (laughs) No shit, but hey, it works for the song. The
2: Skivvies have a whole tour lined up for 2021 that kicked off in Hamilton, Ohio on June 5th for Hamilton's Pride Festival. They'll be visiting New York City, Sullivan County, New York... Denver Colorado Springs and Provincetown Massachusetts as of now it looks like the last two tour stops will be Indianapolis Indiana on October 30th and New York City on November 1st where they will be performing the Rocky Horror Skivvy Show shows will take place at the Cabaret Theater in Indianapolis at 7 and 9:30 p.m. where ticket prices will range from 25 to 85 depending on how close to the skivvies skivvies that you'd like to be
1: <laughs> their last show will be at joe's pub on monday november 1st tickets for that performance aren't available yet but we'll be sure to update you guys as soon as we've got more information if you're in either of those two areas this sounds like a wonderful way to wind down the halloween season by getting to chill as an audience member and watching other skivvies clad monkeys dance for you for a change R-
0: road trip but R- did somebody say road trip I want to go.
2: Nikki, we are not driving to Indiana for Skivvies. We've got Skivvies at home.
0: Road trip to Joe's Pub?
2: Ooh, ooh, I'm
1: I'm down for that one. Yeah, me too. It's a Monday. We ain't going to have a show that night. I mean, it'll be the day after Halloween. We'll be able to roll out of bed just in time to catch the 9.30 p.m.
0: performance. (laughs) (laughs) If any of our listeners want to join us, either in real life or in your heart from the Indiana venue... You can find out more info about these shows at TheSkivviesNYC.com, which we'll also link for you in our show notes.
1: Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah. Do you, do you guys remember Jake Shears from the Scissor Sisters? Who? Absolutely. I tried to go see Kinky
2: Boots when he was Charlie, and I got his mm. understudy that night, and I was so fucking mad. Like, Oh, man. The Scissor Sisters, their stuff is a little before my time, but Let's Have
1: a Kiki will never not be iconic. Oh, man, I've, I've, I got to see the Scissor Sisters twice live. I Absolutely, is my favorite concerts of all time. Anyway, Jake has done lots of other stuff, too, outside of the Scissor Sisters. I mean, at one point, he was a go-go dancer in New York City. In 2018, as John just said, he starred in Kinky Boots on Broadway, and he's even written a memoir. But since Scissor Sisters' indefinite hiatus initiated by Shears in 2012, he's been a fairly successful solo artist, and his most recent music video is what brought him to our attention today.
0: Yeah, the music video for his new song, Do the Television, is filled with tiny clips from a bunch of movies and TV shows, and we've spotted four moments of on-screen time for shots from shock treatment.
1: Now, not even all Rocky Horror fans always like shock treatment, so we sent John over to interview Shears on his choice to include Shocky in his music video and figure out just who hurt him.
2: That's right, broskies. Join me, our resident content consumer, John Filberschlager, (laughs) as I interview Jake Shears. (laughs) Roll tape. So that was the initial plan, but apparently Shears is an internationally popular artist who consistently puts out well-selling music, whatever the fuck that means. So neither I nor Rocky Talkie have the clout to interview him, so we just had Nikki look him up online to see what his deal is.
0: And I was actually too busy doing, um like, hot girl shit for Hot Girl Summer this week, so we ended up giving it to Jacob.
1: And, um... And about 30 minutes before we started recording, Jacob handed me a wet rag with a post-it note wrapped inside. Uh, that wet post-it note had a link to a Google Doc on it. And we'll be reading from that Google Doc. I guess what we're trying to say is... <sighs> Thanks, Jacob.
2: That's
0: not at all what we're saying. Shut the fuck up, John.
1: I, I think that rag had literal shit on it. So we are, we are not fucking thanking Jacob. Uh, but getting back on track... Like a lot of us, Shears is someone who found Rocky Horror when he was young and vulnerable.
0: And the pretty colors and dancing aliens drew him in, eventually influencing his art.
1: Shears has always
2: been a part of the alt scene, from tap dancing classes with his mother in fourth grade, to his flamboyant style of dress and performance with Scissor Sisters. His interest in Rocky Horror
1: clearly lines up pretty well with the rest of his persona. In talking with The Line of Best Fit, that's an online music magazine based in London, Shears included Shock Treatment in his Nine Favorite Songs, a list that Line of Best Fit makes with a lot of the artists that they interact with to highlight the songs and art that they've liked and has influenced them the most.
0: In the interview for the Nine Favorite Songs list, Shear actually called Shock Treatment and unsung genius prophetic movie referencing the studio audience who lives in the studio in shock treatment and relating it to our current culture he says it's totally prophesying what our world is now
2: but he isn't just here for the themes and predictions of shock treatment he also loves the music he literally said what i love about shock treatment is that the music is so awesome you know what right on man
1: Shears feels like Shock Treatment took the music and people of Rocky Horror and recast all of it, which he says is a process he often goes through when working on his music. He says recasting certain things and imagining what would this sound like if this person sung it.
0: From his Instagram, we also know that back in the early 2000s, when he was performing at Brixton Academy, a London nightclub, he had one Rocky Horror-themed Halloween show on the Halloween of 2004.
1: Heh. It's the first year that I did Rocky, too. So here we've got a lifelong Rocky fan who's been enjoying the OG movie as well as its misunderstood little brother since childhood. I've got to say, as a big fan of the Scissor Sisters myself, it's really cool to know that Rocky Horror has been a major inspiration for Jake Shearer's music and style. We want to give Jake a big shout out for helping to share our weird little corner of the world with his audience, and we wish him the very best of luck with all his upcoming endeavors. If you're interested in checking out Jake Shearer's new song, Do the Television, we've got the video linked for you in our show notes.
0: And with that, I think it's time for us to move on to community news. Okay, guys, we are so freaking excited about this first bit of community news. It feels like almost every week that we get to share an exciting tidbit about a cast returning to their stage after what feels like an eternity of being dark. Well, have I got a dopamine overload for all of you. There was a recent thread going in the Rocky Horror Shadowcast members' Facebook group where casts had a chance to share some of their return plans, and right up top, we wanted to recap the highlights for anyone excited about attending a performance in the near future. I think we can safely say that's everyone listening.
2: Whew, man, we have got quite a list. First up, we've got Frankie's Fishnets out of Phoenix, Arizona, who are performing twice a
1: month at an outdoor venue, as well as their normal indoor shows. The Arkansas Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast will be getting back on stage on October 21st and is currently holding auditions for anyone interested in joining them. That's going to be such a fun Halloween for them. I'm super excited.
0: Lips down on Dixie in Atlanta, who will be resuming performances in July on the first and third Friday of every month.
2: The body cast cast from... Oh, I get it. (laughs) Like body cast. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) The body, (laughs) damn it. The body cast from San Francisco, California will be kicking off performances with a pride show on the last Saturday of
1: June, followed by performances on the last Saturday of every month. The faithful handyman in Fort Lauderdale, Florida will be putting their fishnets back on starting July 3rd.
0: Rocky in the Flesh, the all-nude cast based in Land Lakes, Florida that we talked about a few weeks ago, is performing again with naked alien foam parties, as I recall.
2: The Transylvania Twists out of Bay City, Michigan will be back on stage
1: this fall, October 2nd, just in time for Halloween season. Frankie's Favorite Obsessions in Las Vegas, Nevada will be starting performances back up again on July 3rd. Their first performance back will also be their 20th anniversary show.
0: The Friday Night Specials cast, based in New Jersey, has been and still is performing the first, third, and fifth Friday of every month. The Denton Affair in Cincinnati, Ohio will be back on stage starting June 26th.
2: Sweet Translucent Dreams, which is a roaming cast that performs in the eastern Pennsylvania area, has been up and running for quite a while, currently working exclusively outdoors. They performed 10 drive-in shows last season and currently have six
1: confirmed shows for summer of 2021. Their indoor showings will also be resuming soon. Spaced Out Sensations, also based in eastern Pennsylvania, is currently holding monthly outdoor shows.
0: RKO is of course performing drive-in shows all over New England. They just did a big pride show at the start of June.
2: We've got the Denton delinquents
1: in Vancouver, Washington, who will be resuming performances on June 26th. The Blue Musketeers out of Tacoma, Washington, are back doing shows the second and fourth Saturdays of every month.
0: And last but not least, Velvet Darkness cast in Madison, Wisconsin, will be resuming monthly performances on June 18th.
2: Hey, does anyone here know out of Madison? Get out. This is by no means an exhaustive list. If your cast is getting ready to get back to business to defeat the Huns, or maybe you've already resumed shows, please
1: let us know so that we can spread the word. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are coming out of lockdown and are looking for, you know, some fun shenanigans to get into. And Rocky is nothing if not a fun shenanigan. Let us help you get the news out.
0: And to all the casts who are just a few days or weeks away from resuming performances, we wish you all the broken legs in the world. We're so freaking excited for you, and we hope all of your shows are magical and fun.
1: Speaking of magical fun, we here at Rocky Talkie have heard your demands. Okay, You want more Jacob. We're not sure why, but here we are. So, on this episode, we've decided to invite him to write his very first personal piece where he'll be expanding his rad-tastical bit from last time revolving around two truths and a lie into a whole bomb-tastic segment? Wait, this is written like I'm an obnoxious preteen who's way too happy about Jacob's segment. God damn it, Jacob, did you write this? Jesus, fuck. Now you don't get the nice intro. Now you get the shitty intro. Nikki, Nikki, do the shitty intro.
0: Any listeners who value their sanity can skip ahead a few minutes, because our staff writer is just going to talk for a little while.
3: John, Nikki, Aaron, thank you so much for the invite. As the man writing the script, it's always nice to hear you guys degrade me before an introduction. The insecurity really makes my star factor shine. As Aaron mentioned, I'm back this week for my first try at my own segment. Today we'll be playing three competitive rounds of Two Truths and a Lie. Today's subject will be the life and times of Jake Shears, and if you were listening really closely to that earlier segment about him, you will not be even remotely better off because this is a game of chance, and anyone having a leg up is cheating, Aaron. What did I do? I can see you checking
1: your phone for notes. We haven't even started the game, and
3: you can't see me, we're recording audio. As if you don't know about the camera I installed into your chair in your office and have been consistently watching you through for the past two to five years. Right. Like we aren't all aware of and totally okay with that. Now, Aaron, this is my piece. Stop hogging the talk time. Meg promised me there wouldn't be tests on the podcast. It's not a test. It's fun. We're having fun. Now let's get back to the game. We have three rounds. Each round will consist of three facts about Jake Shear's life. Two of the facts will be true, one will be false. If you guess correctly which fact is false, you get a point. Get the most points and you win. Our first two rounds will be me simply summarizing the facts of Jake Shear's life. But as a special treat, the third round will be me performing the facts of life. Without further ado, let's get started with round one. Now here are three facts about Jake Shear's life. If you can accurately tell me which one is false, you get a point. And from there, you will be compensated with more or less lines in future episodes. What? Our first fact, Shear's wild year. After taking an over six-year hiatus from creating any content, after indefinitely discontinuing the Scissor Sisters in 2012, Shear had an incredibly prolific year in 2018. In January 2018, he made his Broadway debut when he starred in Kinky Boots. A month later, in February, he published his autobiography, Just Keep Swinging. And about half a year later, in August of 2018, Shear released his debut solo album. Our second fact, The Hopeless Writer Student. After moving from Washington to Kentucky to New York, Shears took up studies at the New School, majoring in fiction. In fact, before he found music and began performing, he had always thought he was going to be a fiction writer. Our third and final fact for this round, band trouble. Sheer actually wasn't a part of the original Scissor Sisters. The original band consisted of his roommate at the new school, Travis Jepson, and Scott Hoffman. Sheer later joined the group, eventually became the frontman, and after Jeppesen left due to a band dispute... Scheer and Hoffman dramatically rose in popularity, getting gigs left and right. All right, guys, for these first three, how do we vote? Where's the lie?
1: So my guess here is that all three of these are accurate and there is some small detail in one of them that Jacob is trying to screw us on. Yeah,
2: I'm going to agree with that. And I think that it's going to be the first one about the book. I don't know if that's e- that's either A, not the name of the book, or B, the, that's not the year that the book came out. Mm, I like that. I like that. Because I do know that Jake Shears I'm pretty sure Jake went to the new school. So that seems pretty legitimate. Uh, I'm going to say the book. That's, that's going to be my vibe. I think that that's going to be my vote.
0: I'm going to go with B. I know nothing about this guy, but when I was in high school... My theory was that they wouldn't make the correct answer A or C because they were too obvious, so I'm going to go with B. B is my answer.
1: Well, I think that leaves me with C, but I also, I'm leaning towards C. I bet that this is a true fact, but I bet one of these names is made up, so I'm going to go with C.
3: All right, good job, everybody. The actual lie is C. You are correct, Aaron. What part? Did you make up one of the names? Uh, no, actually. Travis Jefferson was actually his roommate, or at least somebody he went to school with at the new school. I couldn't find out exactly. But Jefferson was someone who studied uh, the visual arts, and not music or writing or anything like that. So while they were friends, uh, he was never a part of the Scissor Sisters. And Shear was always a part of the original Scissor Sisters band that he started with Scott Hoffman. So Aaron gets one point, and... Nicky and John, you guys are shit out of luck. Those were pretty easy. Let's see if we can turn up the difficulty with our second round of factoids. This second round will be all pride-themed, so we're starting off with America's sweetheart, Anderson Cooper. After meeting him at the Roxy, a popular gay club in Chelsea, on the night of his college graduation, Shear went home with Anderson Cooper for kisses. Later on, the two had a dinner with Shear's parents, and after that, they had a sexy little trip to Rome, just the two of them, and they're still friends through to today. Knowing him before his fame, Anderson even told Scheer he needed to buckle down and look for a job. Our second factoid, being equally fabulous as our first, involves John Cameron Mitchell, another gay pop culture icon. Scheer met Mitchell at a meeting of the Radical Fairies, a self-proclaimed worldwide network of gay men who are working to redefine queer consciousness through secular spirituality. At the meeting, Shear convinced Mitchell to direct the music video for Scissor Sisters' then not-so-popular, Filthy Gorgeous, and the rest is history. Last, but certainly not least, we have Elton John. Now, it's well known that Elton John and Jake Shear are friends. In fact, they discussed each other in The Observer back in 2006. But what most don't know is that their friendship is no accident. A group of well-connected international gays who go by the name The Revolutionary Nymphs a group who works with celebrity members of the queer community to fight for gay and trans rights abroad, orchestrated a meeting between Shear and Elton John shortly before Elton's civil partnership in 2005. Alright guys, for this second set of questions, how do we feel?
0: I want to go first. (laughs) I'm going to feel like an asshole if I'm wrong. But I'm often wrong, so I'm probably going to feel like an asshole. I just feel like C has to be the lie... Because there's no way that there is a radical fairies and a revolutionary nymphs, and if there are, I'm sorry.
2: no, I'm also gonna go with see Nikki, okay. because I do know that the radical fairies does exist,
0: yeah, <laughs>
2: that is an actual group of people, yeah, but the there's revolutionary no way. nymphs does there's no way in hell the revolutionary nymphs exist, yeah I pride myself on knowing a lot about like nonprofit and like social justice advocacy groups here and abroad and
1: i've never once heard of the revolutionary nymphs
0: yeah. so i'm gonna go with c okay
1: you know what i think i'm gonna have to go with a on this one because uh i'm pretty sure that if anderson cooper had hooked up with uh jake shearer i would have heard about it from andy cohen so let's uh let's go with A.
3: <laughs> unfortunately i was relying heavily on the idea that none of you would know what the radical fairies were because <sighs> yes Those are real, and uh, the revolutionary nymphs are not. And that is the lie. But
0: here's the thing. Like, it's not that I didn't know what the radical fairies were. It's just there's no fucking way that there's two groups, and (laughs) one is the radical fairies, and the other is the revolutionary nymphs. Like, there's just no way. You couldn't have gone with, like, a different side of mythology? Like, the minotaurs or something? The centaurs for change or some shit. (laughs) Like, come on.
3: All right, so for that round, John and Nikki will get one point. Aaron is shit out of luck. So we're all tied at two points, meaning it'll be decided in the third round. Last but not least, we have our special third round. Not only will I be telling you three facts, but I'll also be performing the fact as an audio drama. What it might have been like when that event took place. I've already mentioned that in his youth, Sheer did tap. But when his mother signed him up, she signed herself up, too. And during fourth grade, they were set to go to a tap recital, the both of them. But the family dog got into Shear's hamster cage and ate his pet. Unfortunately, Shear walked in on it right before his recital and was traumatized. Here's what I think it might have sounded like. Oh my god, Mom! The dog got into Oreo's cage and devoured him! There's blood everywhere. Mom, it's everywhere. I'm gonna be sick. No, I can't go to tap dance today. Mom, I'm traumatized. His cage is crimson with with a little red pool on the bottom. How can you even be thinking about tap dance at a time like this? A
0: bunny is dead.
2: So do you think in his fit of grief, he might have forgotten that Oreo was a hamster?
0: I had a guinea pig named Oreo.
3: Next up, we have a set of two factoids involving Dan Savage, because seemingly every gay celebrity knows every other gay celebrity.
0: And seemingly, Jacob thinks Anderson Cooper, Elton John, John Cameron Mitchell, and Dan Savage are the only gay celebrities?
3: So, when he was barely 17, in 1995, and still in the closet to his parents, Shear began calling in to Dan Savage's radio advice show, Savage Love Live. Eventually, Savage and Shear met in person at a queer youth dance in Seattle, where Savage told Shear he should come out to his parents. Shear took his advice, and this is the conversation they had at home. Oh, Jake, you're gay? Thank you so much for trusting us with this. What do you mean you've been talking about it with Dan Savage? The man is a fucking 32-year-old radio personality. You're 17! No more talking to Dan Savage. Because you can't talk to a 32-year-old man as a 17-year-old. That's not okay. Jake, we love and support you no matter what. But, but son, we insist you stop having secret meetings with Dan Savage this instant. No buts, mister! <laughs> All right, and for our last factoid, despite what I just made up for my dramatic reimagining, Savage and Shear didn't meet until later in life, through Anderson Cooper of all people. Though by this point, Shear was still not out to his parents, and here, in adulthood, Savage convinced him to take the plunge. After Shear's parents took it poorly, Savage had his mother, because his mother is very good at guilting, call Shear's mother to impart some motherly guilt. I think the conversation went something like this. Well, some people like Pepsi and some people like Coke. You can't fault them for what they want. Oh, Donnie, his son is a famous international performing artist. It's not like he's, I don't know, a go-go dancer or something. So let him love who he loves. And don't you dare feel shame for that. All right. For those last three, those, those three spectacular performances, where do we think the lie lies?
1: I mean, it's one of the second two, right? They can't
3: both yeah. be true.
1: Okay, I'm actually going to answer this one
2: last because I 100% know the answer to it. And I, wanna, I don't want to say anything to like skew your answers. You know what I mean?
0: I'm going to go with B because like I said prior, I feel like the middle is the safest and I have absolutely no idea which one it is.
1: I think I'm going to go with B as well. I don't think that you would have pulled Anderson Cooper out of nowhere. It's got to come from C if it didn't come from the previous one. That's my answer, B. Okay, so the answer is C. C is the lie
2: because Jake Shears has always been gay. He's been gay for a really long time. He came out super, super, super young. The answer is 100% C. Both of you are wrong.
3: Y'all dumb. All right. Good job, guys. John is, in fact, correct. Correct. Jake Shear came out to his parents when he was very young, around 17. He was having issues and questioning his identity, and he did call in to Dan Savage's radio show multiple times. And after meeting him in person and telling Dan about his issues with his parents, Dan urged him to come out to his parents. And once he did, his parents weren't super-duper accepting. And as a result of that, Dan Savage actually had his mother, called Jake Shear's mother, to shame her or make her feel bad for how she was treating her son in reaction to her son coming out. All right. That will be the end of our game show this week. Thank you to Nikki, John, and Aaron for your stellar performance. So John gets a point. Aaron and Nikki get no points, leaving the point totals at John with two points and Aaron and Nikki both with one point, which means John wins. Congrats Yay! to everyone. John, Nikki, Aaron, John is obviously better than Nicky and Aaron for having won, but at least we all tried. I love beating people, and I love winning things. And, you know, as I was writing this, I was thinking to myself, Jacob, this could be a really cool audience participation segment. So I'm curious, would any of our listeners out there be interested in turning this into a segment where you guys get to play and maybe win some prizes?
1: You know, honestly, that's... Not the worst idea you've ever had, Jacob.
0: Yeah, it would be kind of fun to maybe do something like this every few weeks. Let the listeners send in their answers and winners get a prize.
2: If that's something that you would be interested in participating in, please write to us. Fill out the contact us form on our website, RockyTalkiePodcast.com, and let us know what you think. If we get enough interest, we can open it up. If not, I guess you guys get to carry on
3: listening to us play. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to write for the show, and getting to perform for this segment was an absolute blast. I hope y'all had as much fun as I did, and I look forward to coming back.
0: Wait, what about the answer to last week's question about Barry? Isn't that the entire point of the segment? The two truths and a lie were Barry sells his underwear at cons and gets a kick out of people enjoying his underwear, Barry did a cool ad for Pepsi Twist Diet alongside Halle Berry and Halle Eisenberg... And Barry having a crippling addiction to tie hookers.
3: Oh, right. I totally forgot about that. They're all true. What? Yeah, all three are true. My bear bear would only ever cop to the first two, but he and I both know about the third. What? Toodaloo, everyone!
1: Well, anyway, that was a nice change of pace for Jacob, wasn't it?
0: It was nice to not hear about Barry's massive cock for once.
1: I don't know,
2: guys. He's still the
1: weirdest fucking person I've ever fucking met.
0: Yeah, I take back my statement. Good riddance.
1: Word. And with that, let's move on to everyone's favorite Nikki-flavored segment.
0: Thank you, Aaron, for that majestic intro. (laughs) Last week, we went super big-brained, and frankly, gents, I'm pooped from all that thinking. So I thought this week we could dial it back a bit and talk about one of my favorite Rocky Horror Shadowcast traditions, Theme Nights.
2: Oh, for fuck's sake. I take it Aaron doesn't like Theme Nights. What is it, too much creativity for you to stomach? Does the entire movie lose its appeal when you aren't meticulously dissecting all 70 badges on Frank's jacket?
1: Um, 77 badges.
0: Is that including the Mao badge that only appears in the Mick Rock photos? And what about the "Bring Back the Cat" pin, the one that appears on the jacket in the TV-only movie *Video Stars*?
1: Um, no, that's how do you know about those? Why have you seen copies lately? Because I've been looking. Awesome. Maybe there are new awesome. I gotta go check. He's day.
0: distracted. <laughs> John let's talk about theme nights I love theme nights you get to do something completely crazy you get a break from your regular costumes everything is so relaxed and chill you're not as worried about screen accuracy and you get to take on a whole different role entirely
2: I mean yeah I wouldn't be New York's ass director in charge of theme nights and brie shows if I didn't also love theme nights and brie shows I mean that's a lie I'd still do it even if I hated it just because the money is so damn good but it also helps that I'm a sucker for a good theme show.
0: I think the idea of theme nights is pretty obvious, historically speaking, of course. Once people started dressing up in the late 70s to see Rocky, it was only natural that you might want to wear a different costume one of the hundreds of times you went to the theater on a Saturday night.
2: I, hell, we mentioned it before, but the UK stage show is still a lot like that. You can get away with wearing anything to those things. It's more like a costume ball than an effort and accuracy.
0: And throughout the 80s, 90s, and into the modern era, we've seen the massive movement of nerd culture becoming mainstream culture, even more so in the last decade. Stuff like video games and cartoons and anime, and comic books are no longer dweeby endeavors, they're mainstream pop culture phenomena. And Rocky has existed all throughout the evolution of mainstream culture's adoption and absorption of nerd culture.
2: So while it might have been a little nuts in the early 80s to think about doing a Star Wars theme night, These days, it seems like a natural extension of cosplay culture and the growing geek fandoms that actively encourage wearing the costumes and playing the characters.
0: A bit of a don't-dream-it-be-it for the mainstream.
2: Exactly. So, of course it was natural for Rocky Horror to take on the idea of theme nights. What better way to get a break from our usual dress-up than with even more outlandish costumes?
0: You want to throw us a bone here, Aaron? Maybe some history about theme nights? I have no idea where that would even be documented.
1: It's not. And I mean, what is there to say? Oh yeah, you dressed up as Jabba the Hut, Frank. You're so fucking clever. Good thing that joke works for an entire movie and it isn't fucking stupid when you realize you can't move around the stage. You okay, buddy? I'm sensing some hostility here.
0: When the hell did someone do Jabba the Hut, Frank? Because I would pay to see that.
2: Yeah, that sounds dope as shit.
1: Oh my god, you two are the problem. This, this right here is the problem. It sounds dope as shit, but it ends up nine times out of ten as being just plain old shit.
0: Okay, sourpuss, calm down. John and I can take it from here, and how about you pipe up a bit later when you aren't gonna blow a gasket? FNS has done a couple of theme nights that I've been able to be a part of. I have so many favorites, I don't even know if I could pin it down on one. Um... We do a mayhem night, which I think is like we're kind of famous for with our audiences. Like obviously famous is a rough word, but like in terms of like if if you were going to come to an FNS show for a theme, it would be mayhem night where we literally just like have a wheel and we write a bunch of really embarrassing things on the wheel. And then right before the show, every costumed character has to spin the wheel and they get like a handicap so like one year columbia had to perform with a blindfold on and i was able to be a part of it with one of the characters had to be handcuffed to a transy all night and i was that transy and i ended up being handcuffed to rocky and frank which was really fun it's just like a lot of fun it's crazy i love mayhem night and we're actually we're i'm trying to i'm trying to do it again i want to do it again so bad please please fns gods give us mayhem night um, but I've only had a few opportunities to do theme nights. You guys must have done tons of theme nights that you've been a part of. What's your favorite? I think I
2: have two favorite theme nights that I legitimately can't choose between. So the December before quarantine, we put on a punk show and we called it Punk Rocky. And Punk Rocky was so cool. I don't know why we had never done it as the NYC show before. I mean, we probably have done it in the past, but like not since I've been part. But it was just such a cool show. The costumes were all absolutely fantastic. It didn't necessarily stray too far away from the show itself because that's the issue that I have a lot of times with theme nights is that the theme is either too niche or it's too hard to dissect when looking at it, you know? So Punk Rocky was easy because the characters still looked like the characters, but they were just even more punk than they already were. For that show, I played Magenta and I had Savannah make me like a a fucking like Liberty Spikes mohawk because I'm bald. And it was like the same color as Magenta's hair. It was super fucking cool. One of my favorite costumes I've ever performed in. And then the second one for two years straight, we actually did a drag night for Pride, when all the Rocky characters were different drag queens. And the people who were playing those characters had to create looks that were apparent of those drag queens. So one year we had a Trixie Mattel Rocky and all of the looks that the person playing Rocky did where, like, looks at Trixie Mattel had done, and it was kind of an homage to Trixie because she actually got her start playing Rocky in Rocky Horror because she used to be a shadowcaster. We've done, like, Alaska Frank, Ginger Minch, Brad, and because there is a really big intersection between drag culture and Rocky Horror, especially with millennials, so that was an amazing, amazing, amazing show, but it takes... A lot of work to put it off, and a really, really, really dedicated makeup and wig artist, <coughs> Savannah. So, like, that show basically was Savannah's playground, and she did everything for that show. Now it's like Savannah is a much more established hair and makeup artist. So, it's like, if you're gonna do that again, you're gonna pay Savannah. <laughs> and as all of you listeners know, we Rocky Horror casts don't have money. Money! So that one kind of went the way of the fishes, but the two years that we did it were so much fun. It was the most detailed theme night I think I have ever seen a Rocky cast do. No matter which theme night I dub as my quote-unquote favorite, they all hold a special frustration in my heart for having to coordinate them. Honestly, my favorite theme night is every single one I haven't had to coordinate. Speaking of that, come on, Aaron. Buddy... You've got to have a theme night that you actually enjoyed, you know, way back, before you became a curmudgeonly
1: cantankerous, fun-hating boomer. Hey, I am not cantankerous. I mean, hell, I even coordinated a theme night once. I mean, years and years and and years ago, uh, New York did a That 70s Show theme night.
0: (sighs) Are you kidding me? You have been throwing rocks this whole time from inside your glass house. That 70s show? Give me a break. Oh, oh
1: come on. I mean, it was a different time. It, it was relevant. It wasn't an old TV show. It was a just slightly old TV show. But, like, now this theme show was awesome. Like, as John said before, though, the reason that this one worked was the amount of effort that went into it. This was, like, a crazy custom costumes custom wigs like crazy makeup actually like having multiple rehearsals for custom choreography they did all of floor show on fucking roller skates which if you've ever wanted to like think about hurting yourself on stage now try think of hurting yourself on stage in roller skates Like, it it was absolutely insane. There was was a ton of fun, different things that went on there. And, like, the audience really responded well to it. Mm -hmm. It was one of the theme shows that I think actually really worked as a theme. I mean, New York always does, or in the past, had always done a ton of different, like, summer theme shows or beach night shows or, like, all of these kinds of things. But this one really worked because it had a clear goal. It had a real, like, ambition to it. And it it, it tied all together really well. I mean, I I really did like that one. In some ways, it probably went over the audience's head. I mean, it was a theme night for a TV show that was already off the air for a few years by the time we did it. And it literally had no relation to Rocky, except for that single episode where Fez dresses up as Frank for the cold open. But I mean, it it was super fun for the cast. And, fuck, I will never get the image of Madman Mike as Red Foreman walking down during takeover, shoe (laughs) in his hand, calmly explaining about all the ways he's going to put his foot
0: into Frank's ass. Who did you play?
1: Uh, Hyde is (gasps) Eddie.
0: Do you have pictures?
1: Somewhere. Find
0: them, please. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But oh my god, yay, so it is true. Aaron is a real boy, with feelings and emotions and nostalgia bursting at the seams. It's just buried under a bitter old fart exterior.
1: I mean, uh, I'll concede. My feelings about theme nights have taken a complete 180 over the years. There there was definitely a time where I was excited about them, and I feel like everyone goes through that phase, you know, where you're excited to do really different stuff at Rocky. You can't help but talk with your friends about your new favorite TV show or your new favorite movie and how the characters would be so perfect when mapped onto Rocky Horror characters. But the problem that I kind of have with it now that it took me a while to get to is that, like, just realizing that Rainbow Bright or Bugs Bunny would be a hilarious Frank does not make a good theme show. And unfortunately, 90% of theme shows end up as an experience that I feel leaves the audience confused at best and upset and asking for a refund at worst.
0: I think you're being a little overdramatic. Sure, My Little Pony or That 70s Show theme night... May not be what the audience was hoping to see, but that's not most theme nights. Most theme nights are Christmas or lingerie or classic monster movies or Star Wars. These aren't esoteric topics. These are easy to understand and generally tie in very closely to a holiday or an event like Star Wars Day or Comic Con or whatever else is relevant in the zeitgeist.
2: That's one of the things I often have to remind cast members of when they come to me with an idea for a theme show. I mean, besides the fact that they have to do all the work, and I'm just here to coordinate. I'm not here to go buy costumes for them. Like, I don't give a fuck if you want to do a Teen Titans and Power Rangers theme night, but you really have to have a picture in your head of how that's going to work that isn't just, oh my god, Janet is totally Kimberly the Pink Ranger.
0: I'm Kimberly the Pink Ranger. No, I'm the Yellow Ranger. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, that's a good topic in itself. Let's try this out here. I'm Alternate Universe Nikki, the star performer of the New York City cast.
1: Alternate Universe Nikki has a bitch and goatee.
0: Damn fucking right she does. And me, AU Nikki goes to Alternate Universe John to pitch a pre-show night.
1: Uh, also, Alternate Universe John has a bitch and goatee. Obviously.
0: So, how does this conversation go? I've actually got a great idea for a theme night based off of a theme night that a cast member actually pitched the other day. Uncle Sam night. We're all dressed as Uncle Sam with no context and no explanation.
2: All right. <laughs> um first off, no.
0: Uh, (laughs) um excuse me alternate universe nikki gets everything she wants no really listen um like it's fourth of july get into it that that would be
2: the only thing that i would say i would what i would end up saying is like let's actually do this we'll do it the weekend of the fourth of july
0: okay well we're fuck you then we're doing a teen wolf theme night i'm doing a theme i'm doing a teen wolf theme night i'm gonna play lydia martin as columbia
2: okay cool we'll we'll take that one because that's actually a really good jumping off point so When people come and pitch to me a theme night, I'm very open about the types of theme nights. My other two directors, eh, they might be the ones to poo-poo it, but I'm the individual who brings it to them. But here's the thing. The person who is pitching the theme night, that becomes their baby. That becomes their show. It doesn't become mine. My job in this endeavor is to pass it to the other two directors to coordinate which day, to get graphics and designs made for it, to advertise it, to update the website with it, to figure out if we need to do a pre-show and if we need to do a pre-show, you know, to get the dates and times that we can use the theater to practice in because, you know, we live in New York City. It's really hard for us to practice in each other's apartments, so on and so forth. You know, I always ask them, like, what is your budget? Where are you getting the money? Are you asking these performers to buy more costumes out of their pocket? Or are you going to try to pitch that we are going to bankroll this as a cast? Because if we're going to bankroll this as a cast, you better have a good, good reason as to why this is an extremely important pre-show. Secondly, speaking of are you going to ask these performers to buy more costumes out of pocket, you are also going to be the individual who is responsible for, at least for the most part, casting this show because even though Meg myself and Eric oversee casting at shows we are not going to be going around to people being like hey here's this idea that we have for a teen wolf pre-show email john at my email to let me know if you're interested in being in this pre-show no if alternate universe nikki wants to do a teen wolf pre-show then alternate universe nikki is going to go have is going to have to find nine ten other individuals who are willing to purchase multiple costumes out of their own money and are fans enough of teen wolf to do that pre-show and a lot of times what ends up happening with pre-shows is that they can't find those people number one or number two they expect me to find those people for them and neither of those are the case and then secondly Are there special pre-shows or other things that need rehearsals? Like, first off, good luck coordinating that. I can help you get the theater, but I am not helping you coordinate those dates and times. You know, that is up to you to form your own little group with those people, to coordinate what times they are available, and then you just let me know and I let the theater know. Like, that's my play there. And finally, does your pre-show even make sense? And why does the audience think that it's cool? So, like, there are some theme nights that work really well, like Punk Night, that works really well. Drag Night works really well because of the intersectionalities with the communities. And then there are other pre-shows that we've done before, like Marvel. Everybody knows what Captain America looks like. Everybody knows what Thanos looks like. Like, that makes sense. Harry Potter is another one. Like, these are worldwide franchises. We've done a Pokemon theme night that went over really well. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that Teen Wolf is a worldwide phenomena, you can get your head out of your ass because it's not (laughs) a hat.
0: Hey, this was an example. This is not a hate on Teen Wolf time, okay?
2: Okay. But that's the big thing. Like, so for the Uncle Sam night, like, is that hilarious in nature? abso fucking lootly. but when you think of something from the lens of, like, you think it's funny, when it gets put onto a stage, it becomes masturbatory, and that's not what theme shows are supposed to be. Rocky Horror as a shadow cast is masturbatory as it is. We don't need to make it more masturbatory. It needs to be something that not only we as a cast can digest, but the audience, especially tourist audiences, because that's who we primarily cater to, can absorb as well. So it's got to be big picture things. Something that can you can look at that and be like, that's a Harry Potter theme night. I see what they're doing. It's really hard to do that with Teen Wolf, you know? And that's not me hating on Teen Wolf. that They're just wearing clothes. Yeah, no,
0: this was a joke. I don't actually want to do a Teen Wolf
2: theme I don't night. believe you.
0: Actually, but okay. Actually, no. If we're going to be here, then we're going to fucking be here. I'm going to make the argument that we could do a Teen Wolf theme night because they aren't just wearing clothes. You're forgetting the fact that they have... You know, villains that look fucking weird. Okay, they have wolf forms. Lydia Martin's a banshee. She screams, okay? Let's talk about Malia Hale, wear coyote, okay? Her eyes glow blue because she's an omega. Let's get into that. You know, like, you got contacts. You got prosthetics. You got fangs. Mm-hmm. You got the yep. duroc. Let's bring the duroc into this shit. The nogitsune, perhaps? Come on, man. Don't fuck with me.
1: So, Alternate Universe Nikki just pitched a $5,000 pre show. <laughs> and with she'll be paying for it out of pocket. Of work.
2: Yeah. She'll be paying for it out of pocket, and not a single person who goes to that show is going to notice that it's a Teen Wolf theme night because it's just going to look like a classic monster yeah. theme night, which has been pitched to NYC and 100% could have happened this year if it was not for COVID. Our cast member Greg pitched a monster movie theme night before, and that is a genius theme night. It's great.
1: We've done it before, too. It works well.
2: Yeah, because everyone can look at something and be like, that is a Wolfman. That is a Banshee. That is Frankenstein.
1: People aren't going to look at that and be like, that's Teen Wolf. <laughs> it, it's wolfman theme night. I didn't understand all the basketballs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about this as well. The movie Teen Wolf is basketball. The TV show is lacrosse, okay? Oh my, there's a
1: TV show?
0: That's what I'm referencing, yes, the TV show. I didn't
1: even know there was a movie, I just knew the TV show.
2: Yeah, I've
0: seen the movie and the TV show. Uh,
1: wow, I just thought that, like, I didn't remember the plot of the movie really well, because Nikki was going off, and I'm like, where the fuck is there a banshee? This is about Michael J. Fox being awesome at playing basketball. He surfs on top of a car, like, what the, what's this shit about stuff happening that...
2: No. Oh and I remember many moons ago, somebody had pitched a once upon a time theme night to me. And oh, like, shit. while again, that is a great idea, but that doesn't translate. It's just going to be a fairy tale theme night. That's Disney. Well, theme up, night. Yeah, I was going to
0: say that's Disney night.
2: Yeah. And we um, did that and it was great.
0: Yeah. Scar Eddie was so sexy.
2: Thank you. I really wish that I had the time to do the full costume. Maybe if we bring back the Disney night again, I can do the full costume and reprise my my Scar Eddie.
0: Let me guess. Perform as Colombia. I'll be Nala. I love it. Anyway, I have two things to say about this. First of all, I find it fascinating how differently casts do things, because like I know that every cast is different and they have their own culture and they have the own like they have their own ways of how things work. But the thing that you are explaining to me right now is not even. Like, it is football fields away from how FNS does it. And I find that so fucking cool that, like, casts have somehow managed to do the exact same thing, but in such different ways. And it's just, like, wild to me. Like, you guys are like, you know, what's your budget? How are you going to make this financially happen? Whereas with FNS, it's like... Maybe it's because we're a smaller cast, so it's like our director will be like, hey, we're going to do this theme night. Is that okay? who wants to perform and it comes down to times where like we'll all pitch so many costumes that like some of us don't even get to perform like people on like New Jersey are like, I want to give you all of my money. I just like, it's just so it's so weird to me how different things are. Um, But also you kept mentioning how a Harry Potter theme night uh, was so easy to do because of the universe, not easy, but like in terms of the audience handling it. And I wanted to bring this up before Can we please, for just like a brief moment, discuss Midnight Insanity's Harry Potter Night? I know it's really old, but I saw (laughs) it when I first joined the community and have hyper fixated on it ever since because Brad being played by Ron and Harry absolutely changed my life yeah like i fucking love that
2: i highly recommend nikki if you haven't seen it yet to check out uh i think it was i don't remember if it was rko or if it was fbc but one of them did a harry potter night and uh 13 played voldemort as frank yes i saw those pictures probably my favorite theme night costume of all time Teeb's voldemort is perfect it is the
1: quintessential Rocky Horror theme night costume. There is no better. I mean, and those are the ones that work, right? The ones where people go all fucking out and they really want to do it and be in it and play that role... Those are the ones that work, Yep. right? Those are the theme nights that resonate.
0: I know theme nights are a lot of work, and it sounds like alternate universe Nikki might have to go back to the drawing board with that whole Teen Wolf shit. The Uncle Sam one, though, that's fine. But the worst thing she could do is half-ass it, right? Like, it's fine for a Christmas show if everyone just dumps some tinsel on their costumes and maybe a few Santa hats and a blue Hanukkah corset for four show, but for anything high concept, you've got to really treat it like a full-blown performance.
1: See? It, it sounds like you're coming around in my way of thinking after all. I'm coming around.
3: Uh, yeah.
1: Of course. Uh, See, I don't have a problem with good theme nights. I enjoy the absurdity that is April Fool's probably more than a lot of other people. Like... I love getting to play tricks on the cast when we cut weird stuff into the film. You know, it really pushes the cast buttons. Uh, to replace Dinner Scene a few years back, we cut in the entire intro to Renssela Vie Boheme. The whole, like, dearly beloved, we gather here to say our goodbyes, right? And you could just see the cast on stage was getting so excited that they were about to break out into literally the most theater kids of all theater kids kind of song. And the moment of the drop, right? The minute the song kicks it up, bam! Frank rips off the tablecloth scene over. Fuck you. It was so <laughs> delightful to watch. <laughs>
0: That's so cute. Evan uh, on a Mayhem Night skipped dinner scene. And instead we did the Beetlejuice dinner scene with like Daylight Come. And that was really fun. But yours sounds mean. Ours was fun and lighthearted. That sounds kind of mean.
1: <laughs> I mean... It's April Fool's. Hell, earlier that night we opened the entire night with science fiction double feature from the remake, and we let it run all the way through to the beginning of "Damn It, Janet." I shit you not. Cast members were like coming up to us asking, like, are, are, "Did you guys just troll us?" And we're just showing the remake. They were so viscerally upset that they didn't know what to do if it was actually the remake.
2: Yeah, I was actually preparing to go home that night and re-watch the remake 30 times because I was not on the Friday show, I was on the Saturday show. And I was like, I'm not going... Like, this show is designed to make me look like a fool, but I refuse to be made a fool out of this. I was going to show up the next day knowing the entire remake, but I didn't have to.
0: So, what I'm gathering from this, though, is that Aaron doesn't like theme nights. You're just being an asshole.
1: See? Yeah, that's, that's a theme night I can get behind. Asshole night. Any night that Aaron performs. Yes, but I mean, theme nights are supposed to be something different and interesting for the cast, right? Like, I like when it becomes something unexpected or absurd, you know, like April Fool's or a cast in the hat or Nikki's Mayhem night, right? That's the theme nights that I can really get behind. But Hello Kitty Adventure Night... I'm sorry. Unless you have, like, a bunch of $1,000 furry costumes that, like, are crazy and just insane, that sounds fucking stupid. Like, Frank wearing cat ears is not a theme night. It's lazy. Wow, gatekeep much?
2: Just because cat ears isn't a fun theme night to you doesn't mean that the rest of the cats wouldn't get something out of it. You know what? I'll take everyone in cat ears over the lazy crap that you pull out on real theme nights. Wasn't the last one that you did Punk Night?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember that. I didn't want to do that night.
0: Egg was Janet. It was so hot.
1: Don't worry, it showed. You wore regular Eddie stuff. Eddie is already punk.
0: Oh, you are the worst kind of lazy. (laughs) See, I don't think you dislike theme nights. You just dislike effort. I
1: mean, that's obviously not true. I put a lot of effort into a lot of things. I just don't like putting effort into someone else's half-baked ideas.
0: Well, I think we can at least agree on that. Nobody wants to sign up for an idea only to have to do all the work.
2: But when theme nights work, when everyone does pull together around an idea and it comes across to the audience when it works, those are some of the best shows because... They're not only something different from your run-of-the-mill Rocky Horror, they are genuinely unique pieces of performance. And they resonate. Help! we can all remember theme nights from years ago, but those regular old weekly shows, they just all blur together.
0: Now, who do I talk to about that My Little Pony theme night? Because I think Applejack would make a great Columbia. And
1: that's our show! As always, we want to thank Jacob for joining us on air and for all his hard work on the script. That was actually a pretty fun segment.
0: If you've got a question you'd like for us to answer on air for Nikki Asks a Question, or just some community news you'd like us to talk about, or even a cool story to showcase your magnum dong to the entire community, we'd love to include it in our show. Just go to our website, Rocky Talkie Podcast.com and fill out our contact form to share with us.
2: We all really love getting to hear about the cool shit that you've all been working on. We're totally obsessed with all the Rocky Horror projects that have been floating around out there, and we really enjoy getting to share your work with the whole community. Plus, if your cast is working on something fun like a virtual show or maybe even a real life show, send that in too.
1: We'll help spread the word. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners,
3: which really helps us to grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All at Rocky Talkie Podcast.
0: We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. 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 Bye.
2: Bye.
0: First up in global news, the Skivies have announced that they're going to be performing none other than their world-famous Rocky Horror Skivies show for Halloween in Indianapolis, Indiana. Why the fuck didn't you write that? In Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana and New York City. Yeah. Fuck me.
2: Wait, what did Nikki can... say?
0: Skivies. Skivies. Uh, I feel like skeevies is cuter.
2: <clears throat> so, like, that was the initial plan, but apparently Shears is a internationally popular artist. <laughs> <All right. coughs> so was that was the initial plan, was. but apparently Shears is an internationally
3: popular artist. Our first two rounds will be me simply summarizing the facts of Jack Shears... Oh, wait, is it Jake or Jack? <laughs> god damn it so many times i typed into ear jack
1: i bet the facts are as good as this
3: <laughs> the facts are nice i like my facts
0: <laughs> what is the new school i've never heard of this
2: it's a school downtown it's like a super ritzy art school okay because at first i thought jacob
0: was just saying like this was a new school he went to and i was like which one <laughs> this is so <laughs> I, interesting it was so mysterious I, I,
1: I had that same confusion when I first moved to New York. <laughs> People are like, "Yes, I go to the new school," and I'm like, "Oh, oh they just Which don't one." <laughs> <laughs> for the for the record, I think that means that I was technically correct. So that puts the current score at one victory for Aaron, one victory for John. And none um, for Nikki. Nikki won the fucking
0: marriage maze. Jackasses, we're tied.
1: You got to split that win with Josh, so you have half a win. Yeah.
0: Well, I, if, mm-hmm. if it makes you feel any better, I actually let Josh take the prize, which was a, a steamy night of passion with Jacob, and I stayed home. So technically, I didn't really win anything.
1: Oh. Well, it doesn't sound like Josh won much of anything either.
2: I don't know, guys. He still seems like a weasel based rat sort of cuck.
0: Cobweb, Dwinkin'. Yeah.
2: She would Dwinkin', yeah.
0: Dwinkin'.
2: Oh, she started it again. Cobweb. Hey, sweetie can you stop for you a second? baby you thirsty stop i mean that's
0: no water stream <sighs> pop culture phenomena phenomena,
2: phenomena.
0: is that correct
2: it's actually pronounced phenomena but i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll let it slide
0: thank you yeah it's goodbye. such a good vibration ooh 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 it's, bye. Such, a it's such sweet, a sweet, sweet sensation. sensation goodbye it's such a all right bye well,
2: g- goodbye